This is Soil Sense Field Check, where we explore some of the more practical aspects of building healthier soils. I'm Tim Hamrich, and over the past five seasons of the Soil Sense podcast, we've learned that building healthier soils takes curiosity, creativity, and collaboration between farmers, researchers, consultants, and extension. These stories have both inspired and informed a lot of people, but the question still remains, how do I make this work on my farm? That's why we like to produce these field check segments to explore some of the more practical aspects to soil health. Agronomy, logistics, equipment, best practices, safety, and other important considerations. So sit back and enjoy this episode of Field Check. Welcome back to another episode of Field Check. I'm your host, Tim Hamrich. This is now our final installment of this series of looking at how soil health gets implemented in practice. Today, we're going to revisit some of the highlights of the most useful and important information shared through the first 14 Field Check segments. You're going to hear from experts like Dr. Abby Wick, Dr. Lee Breeze, Mark Husso, Jason Hansen, and Angie Johnson. These highlights cover topics ranging from cover crops to moisture management to crop rotation to salinity to farm safety and more. The overall message, though, is clear. There's no one right way to build healthier soils. It's all about finding what each individual field needs and having the tools and expertise to execute on that properly. One very helpful tool in that toolbox is knowing when and how to incorporate cover crops. Here's Dr. Abby Wick. There's several ways to get cover crops into your system. And like Angie was talking about with the backing up and using a drill, that's probably your best way to get a cover crop established because you're getting really good seed to soil contact. So as long as you hook it up the proper way, uh, you could get that cover crop seed out there. There's also broadcasting a cover crop. So you could do that at side dress time uh, while you're broadcasting your nitrogen. If you have a, a second tank on your piece of equipment, you can broadcast cover crop seed. In most of the cases, it's going to be probably something like cereal rye because you're going to be interseeding corn if you're doing this at side dress time which can establish well, but you may want a smaller seed in there too, like a radish that can establish a very little moisture and does well with broadcasting. So that's another option. And probably the safest is, uh, as far as concerned farm safety, is hiring an airplane. <laughs> so you could call up, up, up and see if you can get an airplane out there to fly on some cover crops. Uh, flying on something like rye or oats into soybean before harvest uh, can be really helpful. And also for trafficability too, to have something green growing underneath your dead soybean plant as you're harvesting, but then also flying on into corn. And that's another great space to do this with, with something like rye. Um, you could throw in a little radish or something else as well if you wanted a, some diversity, but tons of ways to get cover crops in the system, whether you have the equipment to broadcast and that seems like the best fit for you time-wise and logistics-wise, or if you have the time to put somebody into a tractor with a drill and see the cover crop after harvest, uh, typically the short season crop like wheat or peas or something like that. But lots of ways to get them in the system. I think they're going to improve the soil in many ways, not only trafficability at harvest, but managing moisture at harvest and also again in the springtime at planting. So there's, there's a lot of really great benefits to using cover crops. And that point Abby made about remaining flexible and open to new ideas of what might fit best into your field is going to be a theme for today's episode as we explore many different facets of soil health. Crop consultant Lee Breeze says it's all about assessing each individual field and designing the right system on a field-by-field basis. Well, I just really think that when somebody's looking at this soil health thing, it's not about I'm going to go no-till or I'm going to plant cover crops or I'm going to do this particular practice. It's about looking at your field 
assessing in each individual field with what are the challenges or problems that you're facing and then designing a system that addresses those challenges. It's not the other way around. We get this cart before the horse thing. We talk about how great no-till is. And we talk about how great cover crops are. They're tools in the toolbox and we need to make sure we use them at the right time for the right thing. It's just like, you know, I like to have a fork, but it's not the right thing to dig a hole with. So you just make sure you got the right tool for what you're doing. And that's really the big challenge, I think, to get across. And that's the hard part, honestly, is like really defining what your challenge is. And then, okay, the field's too wet. Okay, what time of the year is it too wet? Why is it too wet? Is it a soil issue? Is it a drainage issue? Is there something that you can't control? Like water from the neighbor, like that happens all the time. So try to figure those out. And then you try to look at it and go, okay, what's the smartest economic thing I can do? And then build it up from there. And then you, you learn because you make mistakes, but you try to keep the mistakes small and inexpensive and you move from there. It's this field-by-field field approach that has led Marcuso down the road of using the term field health to reference not just soil health, but overall long-term productivity and health of a particular field. Well, there's a lot more to it than just soil health. Soil health, we're trying to measure it, you know, with this Haney test, with carbon testing, and that's good. A healthy field is a field that raises a great crop. And so that is based on drainage, it's based on crop rotation, and it's based on the field being weed-free, a clean field. And so sometimes my no-till fields are some of the dirtier fields because they're tougher to manage. After a couple of years, they're the cleanest fields because they've been managed the right way. And so I'm trying to change my soil health more to field health. You know, let's have a good root structure. Let's have that by maybe doing less tillage. doesn't have to be no-till, but it certainly needs to be less tillage. Then let's have a clean field get the weeds out of the way, and let's make sure we have good drainage. So I'm trying to have a a healthy field that way to raise a good crop. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if all these roots in the soil, I didn't till it, but I didn't get a crop in there either because it was too wet. That's not a healthy field. A healthy field raises a good crop, and there's different ways to get there. Just this year, I have an employee who also farms. It's a father-son combination, and we had a field that was soybean four years ago, it was corn. This year, it's sunflowers. And the employee that works for me is showing his dad, Dad, it's taking away the saline areas. You know, the corn grew past the soybean ground. The sunflowers are going past where the corn stalks were. So it's managing the salinity as we're seeing that ground improve. Now, if we'd have just stayed barley, soybeans, barley, soybeans, barley, soybeans, it would be the same or get worse. But because we've changed rotations, and the roots in the soil are changing, we're utilizing more water, we're managing salinity that way by simply changing the crop. And as you just heard, Mark and his former customers are finding success in diversifying crop rotations to manage issues such as saline areas. Crop diversification is also something that Lee Breeze has touched on in previous episodes to do things like manage pests and moisture. Salinity specifically is something that has come up a lot. And crop consultant Jason Hansen shares some of his thoughts on approaching this issue. When it comes to salinity, the two crops that really take a beating here are corn and soybeans. They just can't handle it, particularly soybeans. Wheat is probably the next one that's not good. It'll do well up to a certain point. So we rely a lot on barley and canola. Those two crops can seem to handle it, but there's even some spots where it, it, it just can't. You're going to have to use the the weapons you have in your arsenal 
and that is going to be if you can get any surface drainage, any internal tiling done. Uh, the problem in Prairie Pothole region where I live is that it just there's no place to put it for it to go. Really, you're pretty limited, and then you're going to have to look at crops that are going to give you the best option. Barley probably being number one. You're not going to probably grow canola because of the cost it to work on salinity. You just hope that you get something out of that spot when you're your rotation. So you might have to do some different things where it's just barley, 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 or you get to a point where you're like, nope, we're going to put in a, a grass and and this is not going to get farmed. Square it off, do whatever. And that's that. No one likes to split up fields and and uh, do that type of thing, but. I think more people are listening to that because other people are doing it. The best peers out there are other consultants, other farmers in particular that are actually doing these things. They just said, this isn't working. We got to try something else. And that's what you do. Well, one aspect of farming that we have been able to cover here on this Field Check series is something that we in agriculture, frankly, don't talk near enough about. And it applies to every aspect of soil health and farming and agronomy. And that is safety. NDSU Extension Farm and Ranch Safety Coordinator Angie Johnson points out that workplace safety in agriculture is unlike any other industry. You know, if you think about it, farming and ranching, it's the only work site where children are ever allowed. I mean, you don't bring your kids to a construction zone or you don't take them on to work with you in most cases. And so it's very, very unique. And and we need to realize that at some point, we need to be mindful and, and have that separation. You know, where is it safe for your child to be in terms of a play area, where's that safe zone where they can safely play without getting in harm's way of big equipment moving through? And what is that proper age range where, you know what, they're ready to take on a responsibility? And I think it is so crucial, so crucial that we match a child's ability with a task on the farm. Because it's not that we need to completely say, no, this is not allowed for you at all. We just need to be mindful of making sure we apply the tasks that they can physically and mentally do. Well, definitely an important thing to think about as we end this series of Field Check. Thank you so much to Abby Wick, Lee Breeze, Mark Huso, Jason Hansen, Angie Johnson, and everyone who's contributed to this series. This program is made possible thanks to the support of the North Dakota Corn Council, the North Dakota Wheat Commission, the North Dakota Soybean Council, the North Dakota Barley Council, and Anheuser-Busch. For more stories like this, visit ndfieldcheck.com and subscribe to Soil Sense wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.